Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We're a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. Well, good morning, church. Morning, Balcony. Give me a wave up there. Are you there? Good to see you all. The rest of you, give us a wave. Okay, great. Well, you've heard what Vaughan said. Focus. Focus on what's going on. It's good. So um, today I'm going to be sharing something very different, but I'll tell you more about that later. But let me tell you a story about this boss who kept trying to embarrass his employee. And so what would happen is when one of the, one of the reps came in, he says, I want to tell you how stupid my employee is. So he calls him in and says, Pete, come in here. And Pete comes in and says, he has a 10 rand note. He has a five rand coin. Which one do you want? He says, I'll have the five rand coin. And as he goes out, he says, can you believe how stupid this guy is? <laughs> and this goes on day after day, four or five times a day, week after week, month after month. And then one of the reps goes go to Pete. He says, why don't you take the 10 rand? He says, do you think I'm stupid? He's, I'm wise. The day I take the 10 rand, that's the end of the game. <laughs> so sometimes people think that we are stupid for being in church on a Sunday. But in actual fact, we're wise. And so many other people. Sometimes people think that we're stupid because we tithe. But in actual fact, wise. Don't you put your hand on your heart and on your mind, and let me pray today that God will help us through this. Father, we come to you now in the precious, the wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here. In the presence of the Lord, there is joy. In the presence of the Lord, there is peace. There is healing. There's salvation. There's the fullness of life. So where else would we rather be than in your presence? And so today, Lord, we ask you to give us wisdom, to give us revelation that we will know Jesus better. And everyone says, Amen. <clears throat> so I've entitled this message, The Ten Commandments of Life and Finance. And I'm basing this whole message around a testimony of my life because I believe it can be helpful to many people. Sometimes we just share segments, but I want to share a full testimony and give you some life lessons out of it and life solutions that come out of this message. So I grew up in the 1950s and the 1960s and everyone in our neighborhood, in our area, was poor. So if you're my age, what did you call that word? Amphitry, um, what do you call it? Entropy. entropy. Uh, I'm going on to entropy. <laughs> anyway, we grew up in the 1950s and 60s and everybody was poor. 
Everybody I knew was poor. Why? Because our parents came out of the Great Depression. They came out of World War II, and everybody had nothing so that the way it was. And so we all grew up with a poverty mentality. You guys are very fortunate you grew up a bit later than that, but we grew up with a poverty mentality. And on top of that, I grew up with a very bad perception of who God is. Because my parents, we grew up Catholic, my parents, the priests, the nuns, whenever I did something wrong, and that was every day, they would tell me, God is punishing you. So I grew up with the mentality of God is punishing me. God is punishing me. I, I visualized God as a man sitting on a big chair with a long beard with a big stick waiting for little old me to step out of line so that he could punish me. And whenever something went wrong in my life, guess what I said? God is punishing me. So we came out of a Catholic background, good Catholic background, my dad's family, there were eight children. My mom's family was eight children. And we grew up eight children. <laughs> That's where the movie came from. Eight is enough. <laughs> so after school, I wanted to go to university. And my parents said, forget it. We got no money for university. Go work and come help support the family. Because I was three in line. And so I went out, I got a job as an accountant or a bookkeeper, and I brought home my whole salary check, handed it over to my parents, and they gave me pocket money. <laughs> yeah, that's how it worked. And so that's the way we went. Maybe you've grown up with a poverty mentality. Maybe you've grown up with lack you don't have to stay that way. We don't have to stay that way. So life, lesson number one, get rid of a poverty mentality. And the way we get rid of it is God has a solution for us. And it says in Philippians 4.19 that my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's God's solution for our lives. So we move on. A couple of years later, we can talk about our married life. Um, in 1970, Kathy and I got married. I was 22, she was 18. Can you believe it? Crazy. Anyway, we got married on love and fresh air. <laughs> the day we got married was the first time we both kept our salary check. So we had this one bedroom flat and we um, lived on my salary and used hers every month to buy something for this flat. And that's the way it went, and we couldn't make debt. We had no car for about a year. After a year, we got our first car, and life was good because we were improving there. And then one day, three years later, along comes my firstborn, Pam. 
And Pamela is born and she changed our life forever. Married couple, first kid, your life has changed, never to be, never to be the same. Now it got even worse because one salary, three mouths to feed, one check, whichever way I turned this check, it would not fit 31 days. <laughs> I always had too much month at the end of my money. Do you know some people like that? Too much month at the end of the money. So during that time, I transitioned, I left that company and I went to work, I went into IDB. Do you know what IDB is? It's not what you're thinking. Illegal diamond buying. <laughs> it's into daddy's business. My dad and his brothers started a furniture factory and they needed somebody to do the books and to help them out and so... I went into the factory, and after Pam was born, I said, listen, guys, I can't come out on this salary, and we're doing quite well now since I've taken over all these functions. Please, can I get an increase? And my uncle turns around, and he says to me, you wait your turn, like we had to wait ours. You do? So I thought, I've got to make a plan. So I decided I'm going to work part-time, and I looked for a part-time job. And the one I found was in a direct sales company where you sell products. And so I joined this direct sales company, and my first year was a total disaster. I never sold one bottle. Not one bottle. I could not sell, could not sell anything. I didn't know how to sell. And so, but I learned one thing there. They taught me how to change my thinking. They said, stop buying newspapers because you're polluting your mind. Take the money from the newspapers and buy self-help books. And so during that first year, I changed from a negative thinking person to becoming a positive thinking person and began to believe in myself. So life lesson number two, for things to change, you have to change or else they're not going to change. So if you're looking at your life right now and you're not happy with your situation, just look in the mirror. Take stock and begin to change, or else it's not going to change. And so God's got a solution to every one of us, and it comes from Philippians 4.13, and, 4, 4, and I taught that to my kids, and I taught it to myself. What is it? I can, let's say it together, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. So that's your solution number two. You can do all things. No matter what your past is, we can do all things through Christ. It gives us strength. So moving on to the third point. My second year in the direct sales industry, something clicked. I began to study books like The Greatest Salesman in the World. That's what I wanted to be. Uh, 
the five great rules of selling, think and grow rich, the power of positive thinking, the laws of success, and so many books. I consumed them, and I began to change and began to achieve a tremendous amount of success. And so the success began to come, and we bought our first home, um, and then we won a trip to Victoria Falls because we started doing well. And at Victoria Falls, they promoted us and said, okay, you now have to leave Mayfair where we lived, and we're going to send you to the East Rand to open up Benoni and the East Rand and take over that area, which we did, and that's how I got here. God's got a plan somehow or other to get me here. And um, so we bought our first home. We moved out to the East Rand in Benoni, April 1976. And June 1976, this country went into turmoil. There were the Soweto uprisings. There were riots all over the country. People left their homes, abandoned their homes, went back to the UK. It was havoc for those of you who were around in 1976. And I said to myself, why didn't I wait till June or July to buy a house? <laughs> I would have got one for nothing, never mind bought one. But anyway. So the bottom fell out of the market and things got very bad. But during that time, while we were struggling, there was one person that I kept an eye on. And whatever this person did, she succeeded. Everything she touched turned to gold. Everything I touched turned to mud. <laughs> so I confronted her. You know, if somebody's doing something, I want to know what they're doing. So I said to her, what are you doing that you're achieving so much success? And she said, well, I joined this organization because I want to give 10% of my earnings to the underground church in Russia. And I was as blank as what you are right now. I said, what is the church doing underground? I said, no, those are persecuted Christians in Russia, and she supports them on a monthly basis. I said, oh, so you're applying the law of sowing and reaping. Because I was studying the laws of success, and I thought, why am I not applying that law? So <clears throat> I went home, and I told Kathy what was happening, and we raised 50 rand and went down to the child welfare, and I gave them the 50 rand, walked out, rubbed my hands together, and I said, now we're going to reap. <laughs> and we reaped. The next week, I made 500 bucks. Next week, we go back to child welfare Monday morning, 50 bucks. And so it continued, and we began to prosper and prosper. And then people were saying, what are you doing that you're achieving this success in this economic climate? And I said, that's my secret. <laughs> then we won a trip to Spain that year, and... Um, and in Spain, uh, we got a further promotion, and things started to get better. So life lesson number three, oh, when we went to Spain, I needed a credit card. And I couldn't get one because I had no credit. 
So we decided we're going to go out. Now we've got money. We're going to buy all this furniture on tick. We're going to furnish our home, buy it on credit, and we'll just pay it off later so we can get a good reference. So we got our credit card and we made a whole lot of debt and off we went to Spain and we got our credit card. So life lesson number three, don't make debt. Let me repeat it. Don't make debt. If you're in debt, get out. Whatever it is, get out. Don't make debt. Get help. Uh, apply what Pastor Byron taught last week. Apply it. Don't make debt. God's solution. Proverbs 23.7. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. And there's Hebrews 13 verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money. And my eyes are just going gone. And be content with such things as you had. For he said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. So, so I'm going to relate to you now uh, on some of my other overseas trips. We then won a trip to Rio de Janeiro in the February and got further promotion in this company. All this time we were giving out 10% to the child welfare. We had quit church a long time ago. Why would I want to go to a church where there's a God who just wants to hit me all the time? So um, we quit church and we had a philosophy. If it is to be, it's up to me. How dof can you get and still breathe? <laughs> so, later that year, the president of the company came to me and he said, we've been watching you, watching your, pro your progress. We want to train you to, be, to open up a country for our, for our company. And so we're going to send you to Palm Strings in California to be trained at a leadership school on how to run a country. So um, we were ready to go, and that week I needed to give 400 rand to child welfare, and I said to Kathy, I'll give it when I get back. I might just need it on, on this trip. Well, guess what? I did need it, and I did use it. And so we came back, and as we came back, we won another trip to Mauritius the next month. And last, last life, eh? <laughs> and off to Mauritius we go, and we're having a wonderful time. And while we were in Mauritius, uh, all these years we were aiming for a certain goal. And we achieved our goal. The goal was to win the president's pin, which is a high award with five diamonds, eight rubies that you wear. And people are walking around with those pins have just got big egos. And then uh, we won the chairman's ring, which was a half a carat diamond ring, a half a carat pendant, and we were like the bee's knees. And everybody was congratulating us. But when we got it, we were empty inside. It's like I worked over five years for this, and now I feel empty. And Kathy and I looked at each other and we said, so what? Nothing's changed. I'm still as empty as the day we started. Crazy, eh? 
Anyway, we came back, and that month, November, the government put legislation on direct sales, and people called it an illegal organization, and the bottom fell completely out of the business. My branch went from a turnover of a half a million a month to minus. Minus. People were buying back. People were running away, and we could not pay anything. Nothing. We couldn't pay our debts. And so this was a real case of pride comes before a fall. And that was a big fall. We stopped giving our 10% to the child welfare, and everything went wrong, and our debt came to bite us. Everybody was sending final notices, summons, judgment, even judgment, ready to lose the house, the car. Everything we had worked for was ready to be taken away from us. Everything we tried failed. So life lesson number four, pride comes before a fall. So if if you've achieved stuff in your life, don't become proud. Thank God for what he's given you. But God's solution, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, humble yourself therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So all of that led to point five on how we came to know the Lord. So one Sunday, 5th of March, we're leaving in the morning, traveling down uh, Mercury Street, and I've got this cloud over our lives. When are they going to come and take our house? When are they going to take all of this? How are we ever going to come right? And so we're driving, and I had a prodigal son experience. I came to my senses. And I said to Kathy, I said, you know what's wrong with us? She said, what? I said, we have stopped serving God. And from today, we're going to start serving God in the best way that we can. And the peace of God came upon our lives, surpassing all understanding. I felt peace like I'd never felt. That emptiness that was in my life suddenly was filled, and I didn't know what was happening. And so the very next morning, I said to Kathy, we've got to go and find out what's the truth. Because right now, I need to know what is the truth. So there's only one place we knew, and that was the Catholic Church, and we went down to the one in Benoni. I went to see the priest, Kathy and I, and I was asking him all these questions, and he said, come back another time, We're too, you're too, I'm too busy. I didn't make an appointment, we just arrived. So we thought he only works on Sunday, you know. <laughs> so anyway, we took a couple of Bibles, took them home, laid all these Bibles on the table. There was one Bible that had red letters in. I didn't know what they were. And we just opened all these Bibles, and all the time we kept saying, what is the truth? What is the truth? What is the truth? And John 14, verse 6 just comes right out of the page. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I ran up and down the passage at home, 
that's it, that's it, that's it. And I said, what's it? I said, read it, that's it. We have to find a church that preaches Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Because no one can come to the Father except through him. So, I said, if that's it, talk to Jesus. Dear Jesus, help me find a job. And then the thought comes into my mind, go buy a newspaper. Okay. Get the newspaper, look for the adverts. I see one, I apply for the job. Go the next day, I applied for the salesman job. They gave me the accounting job. And I was employed. I said, thank you, Lord. Now, please give Kathy a job. So we looked in the paper again. She went on the Friday. She got a job. And we were both employed in a week. And all my prayers consisted of, dear Lord Jesus, help me. And I said, simple faith. And so when we started getting our salary, we started to give our 10% again to the child welfare before we joined any church. And then uh, I went to see all the people I owed money to. I needed to stop them taking my house and my cars. And I made a payment plan with all the people I owed money to. I went to the lawyers to get the judgment rescinded off my name because the words of my dad kept coming back into my head saying, son, look after your name. Look after your name. And so life lesson there is... Whatever you want God to bless, put him first. Whatever you want God to bless, put him first. And God's solution, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will fill to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And so during that time, we found ourselves a church home and realized that our 10% should go into God's house and not to the child welfare. And anything over and above that, we give to the, to the child welfare. So during this period, and I'm going to talk about life after salvation, um, my dad was having problems in the furniture business with his brothers. There was a misappropriation of funds and... Um, so he asked me to come back and help him do that. But when I got back to the factory, they would not let me work in the office. And I had no control over the books. And the job they gave me, they said, you've got to stay in the machine shop and become a machinist. And so I became a tradesman, a machinist. And then I kept doing that, but made no progress in helping my dad. And then we went on leave in December, and I came back. And the day I came back, they fired me. They fired me. Oh, I missed a portion. What happened was, when going back quickly, when Kathy and I started doing well and we, we um, started doing very good, I went to my boss and I fired him. <laughs> so this came back to bite me. <laughs> Anyway, so I got fired, and then I went to my pastor, and he prayed over our lives. And then what happened was he um, prayed He prayed a prophecy over my life. And it's an amazing prophecy, but it has been fulfilled over the years to come. And then I, I prayed for a job, and I got a beautiful job as the Transvaal and the Free State 
sales manager in a, in a direct sales company with a motor car and a basic salary. And so things started to get better. But it involved a lot of traveling. So on one of my trips to the Eastern Transvaal, I was sitting in my, hotel, in my motel room praying and preparing for the, the evening meeting with my managers. And then I said, Lord, you know I've got about 40,000 rands worth of stock in my garage. Don't you want to become my agent and help me sell these products? Because if I do, I can pay all my debts. I can, I'll come right out of all my problems. And God said, yes, I'll become your agent. I said, okay, Lord, how much commission do you want? 10%. And God says, how much do you give your agents? I said, 20%. And God said, so why do you want to shny me? I said, okay, Lord, here's a deal. 20% on everything you sell goes to the church. The very next morning, I go into a restaurant for breakfast. I've got a cup of coffee. I knew the people who owned the restaurant. They came to talk to me. They were in the direct sales company with me. And she said, I'm looking for these products. Can you help? I said, yep, yeah, I've got it all. I said, made out an account for her, 1,200 rand. She wrote out a check, 1,200 rand. I went, wow. And the devil said, that's 240 rand. I said, Satan, get behind me. I hadn't even finished the coffee waiting for the breakfast. Another lady came in and Sally said to her, yes, Steve, he can get you those products. And she gave me an order for 300 rand. So it was all together, 1,500 rand. How much was the commission? 300. And God said, can you see? I even provided for my own commission. So I went back to church, put the 300 rand in the offering and started to pay off all these debts. The most amazing thing happened. Wherever I went around the country, God put me in contact with people who needed those products. And over the next two years, we sold every bottle, every box, everything without effort on my part, but God's effort. We took the money, paid off all our debts, did an alteration to the home, put in a swimming pool, because that's the blessing of God. So, life lesson number six. Whatever you sow in life, you will reap. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, it, you will reap it. God's solution, Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So even though I had got fired, God turned that into good. So God will turn all things to good. So let's move on to... I did speak about God as my agent. Sorry, I've jumped ahead of you guys. So that life lesson, oh, the one more life lesson there, God is my agent. I left that company, and I um, 
joined another company in Pretoria as a branch manager of a waterless cookware company, and I got a salary, a brand new motor car, and commission. And it was good, but I needed a better commission. So coming home the one day, I made a deal with God. I make deals with God all the time. I'm Lebanese, you've got to make deals with God. <laughs> so I said, Lord, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take 20% of my commission, and I'm going to tithe 20%. Won't you please bless my commission? I'm still tithing on my salary, but I want to tithe on my commission, but I'm doing 20%. And God began to bless that. And my commission suddenly got bigger than my salary. And then I thought, well, if I'm tithing 20% on on an amount that's bigger than my salary, I can now tithe 20% on my salary. You see, 10% belongs to God. The other 10% is what I want to give to God. And we have done that ever since. It's 20 odd years, 30 odd years by the grace of God. Right, so life lesson number seven. You cannot outgive God. Listen to that, church. You cannot outgive God. Malachi 3:10, God's solution. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven that you won't be able to contain it. So now I'm going to just share a couple of church experiences. So it's related to church experience. My mentoring pastor went back to Canada, and we needed to find another church. And we found a church called Faramir Assembly of God down the road, and I joined the church. And then I went to my pastor, and I said, you know what? I feel God's calling me to be a pastor. What must I do? And he said, give up your job. Go to Bible college for three years and come back and start a church. And then I said, so, so how do I live? He said, no, you live by faith. I said, I don't have faith for that. I said, but what I will do, I will serve in every department in this church. I'll make myself available and I want to go from one department to the next department, however long it takes me. And if God wants me to be a pastor one day, he will make a way. In the meantime, I was studying on a part-time basis. And so that was quite a a stretch for us. So we committed ourselves to serving God wholeheartedly. So life lesson number eight, become a fully devoted Christ follower. Don't be wishy-washy. Give it your all. Give God your best. And the, the God's solution, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And that became a life verse for me. 
And from the day we started serving till today, never, ever stopped serving, ever. And I know so many people say, oh, I need a sabbatical and I need a rest. Rubbish, just be topped up and you can serve for the rest of your life. Okay, so another church experience on finance. So while we were at this church in Faramir, we were invited to a braai with the elders and the pastors. And we weren't anything in the church except serving as a member. And so we had this wonderful braai, and then we said, okay, guys, I'm going. He said, no, 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 you can't go yet. He says, you're probably wondering why we invited you. I said, yeah. He says, well, the elder's leaving, and we've seen how you conduct your affairs and that you're good at accounting. We want you to take over the books of the church. I said, oh, okay. Can I have a look at your books? And we took the books, and I turned page after page, and then I got to the end, and I said, I don't have faith to do your books. He said, why? I said, well, you're not tithing. As a church, you should be tithing. And then they said, yeah, but we can't afford to tithe. I said, okay, I'll make a deal with you. (laughs) I said, I'll do your books if you prepare to tithe. I said, okay. I said, but another deal if you prepare to back tithe. So they said, yes. So me and my big mouth, the first month comes, guess what? No money, no tithe, no nothing. And then I went to God, I said, God, I need your help. What must I do? You've heard what I said to these people. He said, it's simple. I said, what is it? He said, every Sunday or Monday when you count up the money, you take out the 10% and the 10% back tithe, the 20%, you bank it and you send it off, and I will bless the rest. Wow. And so we began to do that, and after a year, we started coming out of all the debt. We saved the church. They were ready to repossess the church because they had fallen behind on the bond and everything had gone right. And we turned that situation right around that in a couple of years we paid off the church building. We not only tithed, but we started giving to missionaries and supporting missionary organizations. So, life lesson there. Do not rob God. Say it again, do not rob God. Luke 12, 34, for wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I need to just relate on our experience in coming to Boxburg. So in 1994, we were still at Faramir. I was um, running the furniture factory. Let me quickly fill you in there. So in the 80s, my dad got Alzheimer's. He got very ill. And I got power of attorney, and I took over his position in the furniture factory. And um, when I went back to the factory after the first month, I said, no, I'm out of here. I've got to get out of this place. I can't work here. And my cousin, who was then running the place, said, please stay one more month. Give it a try. I said, okay, one more month. Give it a try. That month, he gets killed in a motorbike accident. 
And there's only one person who can run that whole factory. And that was me. And so I went, after being fired, I came back as managing director. Like Joseph, you know, like Joseph. Yeah, so I often relate to my life like Joseph, you know, from prison to praise, that type of thing. So anyway, they told us they want us to go to Boxburg. So we came here in June 1994, and we were in the shopping center, roughly about 30 people, and we did this for two years. And the church grew, it grew wonderfully. But I'm running it part-time, and I'm running my factory in Joburg uh, full-time. And I said, God, you know, I really, really need to go full-time in the ministry. Please, I'll make a deal with you. (laughs) Help me sell this business, then I'll have some money, and then I won't be so dependent on the church. And you know what God said to me? No. Close your business. If you want to work for me, you've got to live by faith. I said, wow, okay. How am I going to close this business? The next week, major strikes. These carried on for months. And in the end, I had to just close it down because the strikes were not ending at all. And so we closed the business in July 1996. And we became full-time in the ministry here. And the next 23 years is another story for another time. <laughs> okay, so life lesson number 10. Live a life of faith. Live a life of faith. God's solution. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You've got to live a life of faith. Tithing is all about faith. Serving is all about faith. Living is all about faith. We get up in the morning, we live by faith. And so the 10 life lessons, they're going to come on the screen. Get rid of a poverty mentality. There's the scripture. For things to change, I had to change. Do not make debt. Pride comes before a fall. Whatever you want God to bless, put him first. Whatever you sow in life, you will reap. You cannot outgive God. Become a fully devoted Christ follower. Do not rob God and learn to live by faith. I don't know where you are in your life journey. Maybe you have had the same philosophy as I had. If it is to be, it's up to me. That's the worst philosophy you can ever have because you're putting yourself on the throne of your life and we need to put Christ on the throne of our lives. And so get rid of your negative thinking, get rid of your attitude and start to make a constructive decision. Come to your senses like the prodigal son and say, from today, I'm going to serve God in the best way that I can. Become fully devoted in serving God. Are you sitting here today? Have you tried everything your way and not succeeded? 
Let's give God the opportunity to change your lives. You can turn your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ and make Him Lord of your life. And as your personal Saviour, He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. My life changed the day I made that commitment. Your life can change if you've never made that commitment. Maybe today you need to make that commitment. Or maybe you have served God, but you've done it half-heartedly. So I'm going to ask you all to bow your, bow your heads. I'm going to pray for you. Let God speak to you. Let Him speak into your heart up in the balcony. Nobody moving around. Lord, today I've shared, I've been vulnerable. I've shared life lessons. Life lessons on finance, life lessons on life. And I pray, God, that some of these lessons would minister into the lives of your people yet today. That today, those who need to make that decision to invite Jesus to come into the, as Lord of their life, like the prodigal son said, I will return to my Father. Lord, I pray for those today that they would turn to you and you would make that difference in their lives. So today, if that's you and you need to invite Christ in as Lord of your life, you need your life to change for the better, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and then I'm going to pray for you. One, two, three. Thank you. Just raise your hands all over. Thank you. Hands going up everywhere. In the balcony, hands going up. God bless you. God bless you. Hands up there in the balcony. Thank you so much. Just keep your hands going up. I want to pray for you. Keep going. Hands over there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you at the back there. Thank you. You can put your hands down. So today I'm going to ask you to follow me in a prayer, those who raise their hands. But I think let us all do this as a church as we support all those who have raised their hands. Please follow me in this prayer. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, it is written in your word that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. Dear Jesus, I humbly open the door of my heart to you and invite you to come into my life as my Lord and Savior. Please have mercy on me, a sinner. I believe that your Son, Jesus Christ, died in my place and was raised from the dead and is alive forevermore. Father, forgive my sins. And I in turn forgive those who sinned against me. I repent and renounce my sins. Cleanse me with the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for making me a child of God and writing my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.